You're listening to Shalise's podcast. All right. Well, Father, we thank you for yet another podcast. And we thank you for this new series, Seen from Heaven's Perspective. And I thank you, Father, that this is the time that you are actively working in our lives to partner with us to see your will and your plans come to pass. Thank you that the kingdom of God is within us, that Jesus Christ lives in us, and all that heaven contains has already been lavished upon us. And Father, it's time. It's time for us to experience more of heaven on earth. It is time for us to be a channel here for heaven to flood through. And I thank you that this podcast is going to release some keys of the kingdom that we are going to be able to use to unlock the mystery of Christ in us and heaven being right here, right now as something that we can experience, as a reality that we can enjoy right now. We don't have to wait, Father. We don't have to wait until the afterlife to enjoy heaven. And I thank you that this podcast, this topic was your idea. And Holy Spirit, you are here. You are here to teach us. You are here to lead us and guide us into greater revelation of the truth. And so we just yield. We yield to your agenda for this series. We yield to your agenda for this broadcast. And we thank you in advance for the transformation that's going to happen in our lives as a result of it. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, good morning, everyone. We are kicking off a new series today. I so enjoyed the series, Are You In Your Right Mind? Uh, If you haven't listened to that, make sure that you go back and listen because there was some good stuff in that last series. But like all good things, they must come to an end. And so today we are kicking off a topic that is near and dear to my heart. It's really been life-changing in my own life. And it's, it's, I guess the foundation of this teaching, which is called seeing things from heaven's perspective, is really this concept of having a higher revelation of time and being able to live from the place where we are seated in heavenly places and seeing things from God's perspective so that we can talk (laughs) the same way that God talks. We can call things that be not as though they are, and we can creatively partner with God to see heaven manifested uh, here in our lives. And so, uh, you know, I'm, I'm gonna kick off things today with a foundation scripture that I'm sure that we are, I'm looking at my, my phone here to make sure I've got it up, to make sure uh, with the foundation that is going to really kick us off on this whole topic. And this is a re- this is a scripture from Revelation chapter 13, 8. And this, I'm just going to read it in the King James Version just to kick us off. It says, and all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb, slain from the foundation of the world. Okay, Um, this scripture here talks about this concept that Jesus was slain from the foundation of the world. And for those of us that kind of go, our mind kind of gets blown when we think of that, when we think of like, okay, how was Jesus 
crucified from the foundation of the world when he wasn't born until, you know, whatever, 2020, some, you know, 20 years ago or whatever. And the reason that it kind of blows our mind is because we are accustomed to, uh, uh, to experiencing time in a linear fashion. Meaning we're, you know, born in a certain year, we turn, we have birthdays every single year, and we walk through our lives going through time with a, you know, definite beginning and a definite end. And we experience time as a progressively advancing thing, you know, all the days of our lives. But from God's perspective, that is not the only way that reality is meant to be experienced. In fact, I like to say that God, God's reality, the kingdom of heaven supersedes time. It transcends time. It exists outside of time. Uh, most of us don't really think about it, but time is a created entity. If you go back into Genesis chapter one, where God was speaking uh, the heavens and the earth into existence and creating mankind and everything that is a part of our universe, there is a specific day where time was created. And he doesn't say time was created. It doesn't say that in the scripture, but it does say that uh, you know, the sun was placed in the sky, the stars were placed in the sky, the moon was going to light the night, and that seasons and, and it was going to mark seasons and years. And so time is a created thing. It was created by God and it governed the earth with, you know, the sun being day and the, the uh, night being uh, darkness. And we began to measure time after creation. And, you know, most of us don't think that much about it. We just kind of go through time. We wear our watches. We keep time. We feel pressured by time. And it's just a thing that we grow up in, just a, a reality of, of experiencing time as a progressive thing. We age and it's just, we just really don't give usually a lot of thought to that. But we need to give a lot of thought to that because the way that God perceives and processes things is not from a linear perspective. And Revelation 13, 8 is our first clue into this way that God perceives things. And from God's perspective, he sees that Jesus was slain from the foundation of the world. Okay, so I want to go to another place here in Ephesians chapter 1. And we're going to be spending some time in Ephesians chapter one today. But um, I want to start in verse three in the Passion Translation. And here's what it says. Um, actually, let me go back. Let me go to four. Let me go forward, rather. Let me go to four. And it says this. It says, and in love, he chose us before he laid the foundation of the universe. Because of his great love, he ordained us so that we would be seen as holy in his eyes with an unstained innocence. In verse five, it says, for it was always in his perfect plan to adopt us as his delightful children through our union with Jesus, the anointed one. Okay, I'm gonna stop there, not keep reading verse five. But the point is, is that not only did God see Jesus slain from the foundation of the world, Jesus being crucified before time began, or time began to be measured, but he also sees us 
with an unstained innocence. He sees us holy and blameless, it says here, because he chose us to be in him. He chose us to live in union with him before the foundation of the world. And so the ramifications of the way that God sees us and the way God perceives reality is revolutionary because what it means is that the father saw us in Christ, saw us living in union with Jesus before the fall. Okay, so before Adam and Eve ate of the tree of the knowledge of the good and evil, the father already saw us as transcending the fall. He saw us in Christ and he chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world. So when you think about this, you know, even though we might have been born in 1978 or whatever year we were born in, which by the way, that is my birthday. I'm just kidding. I wish, yeah, no, it's a little before that. But my point being is that even though we were born in a specific year and most of us, our entire lives have been bought that we were born in sin, that we were born as a sinner and all of these things. And that the reason why we need to, you know, uh, accept Jesus is because, you know, we are in need of a savior and our need, sins need to be forgiven. It's an interesting thing to think that that's not the way God perceives our lives or perceives our relationship with him, that from his perspective, which is outside of time, we were already living in union with Jesus. We were already chosen to be in union with Jesus. He already saw us as holy and blameless in Christ before we even accepted Christ, before we even knew we needed to accept Christ, before we even recognized what sin was. And so this is, again, one of those kind of concepts in the sense that we view the gospel, we view our lives, we view ourselves through this linear time perspective. And if we are going to really partner with God to see um, ourselves correctly, to see our future correctly, to see our destinies correctly, we're going to need to shift the way that we perceive our lives. We're going to need to, to, to shift the way that we perceive ourselves. And we are going to need to go ahead and ascend <laughs> up into heaven and sit down in heavenly places, which is what Ephesians 2 um, tells us that we, we are already are seated, seated there. And we want to begin to see things from God's perspective. And here's the primary truth that I want to, to release here. The primary truth is that from God's perspective, it's already finished. From God's perspective, when Jesus said it was finished, was not the real time it was finished. That even though when Jesus gave up the ghost on the cross and you know became sin and absorbed uh, all of humanity's brokenness and sickness and the curse into himself and said it is finished, is not really from God's perspective when it was finished. It was actually finished before anything ever started. It was finished before God said, let there be light. And, you know, for what that means for us is that our destiny is already finished. It means that the future you and the future I, which we have yet to experience, that lives in a greater degree of wholeness, that lives in a greater degree of a manifestation of who we are in Christ that is overcome whatever challenges we may be facing right now, that from God's perspective, it's already done. We're already that person. The vision that he has for our lives has already been completed. And in the same way that Jesus, he saw Jesus's destiny completed and finished, he sees our destiny 
finished and completed. And again, if you've never thought about these concepts, I mean, this is kind of like a wait a second, you know, I've been living in this linear, linear time reality, uh, upset with myself because I'm struggling in this area or frustrated because I'm still not where I feel like I need to be. When in fact, if we would stop all that nonsense and instead of seeing ourselves through the eyes of the flesh through and operating in the place where we are judging everything with a mindset of the flesh, meaning we're just evaluating things from a purely natural perspective. And we would go ahead and get up into a higher perspective and sit down in that place in eternal uh, reality where we are seated in heavenly places with Jesus. We would be able to transcend time and see things from God's perspective. And the beautiful thing about that perspective is it changes everything. It changes the way that we view what is possible, what the way that we relate to the activities that we're doing right now to possibly manifest our purpose or step into a greater, you know, manifestation of our inheritance in Christ. Because we start to see that, wait a second, this is already done. This is already finished. And now we begin to talk the way that God talks. And the way that God talks is a very different way than we talk. In Romans 4.17, in the King James Version, it says that God is a God that calls things that be not as though they are. In the Amplified Version, it says that God calls the non-existent things as though they already existed. And what that, what, what, what that saying is that God calls things that be not, meaning they, they don't exist in the natural realm, as though they already existed in the natural realm. And he does that because of his perspective. He speaks that way because from his perspective, it is already finished. And in the example of Abraham, which is what's being discussed in Romans chapter four, that becomes clear. Because when, when, when the father spoke over Abraham a prophetic word and a destiny over him, and he said, Abram, you are the father of a nation. He spoke it to a man who was well past childbearing age. Both he and Sarah were well past childbearing age. That, you know, Abram was 99, 100. I don't know, remember exactly how old he was, but it, he was old, right? It even says that he was impotent meaning he wasn't able to actually have to procreate and have children. But God didn't look at Abraham the way the, the natural realm, you know, was presenting itself. No, instead, he said, no, you're Abraham. You're the father of a nation. And he then began to teach Abram by changing his name to Abraham. He began to teach Abraham how to function from a place where a future reality is already finished. In fact, he changed his name to Abraham so that his speech would begin to align with the truth of who Abraham is in a future that had yet to manifest. Because Abraham means the father of many. And so every time he introduced himself, he was introducing himself as someone who was a father who already had children. And then he told Abraham to go out and look at the stars. And he said, as you count the stars, as you look at the stars, that is how numerous your offspring are going to be. And so he was getting Abraham to see things from a different perspective because Abraham's speech and Abraham's vision were going to be a key in him being able to actually experience the truth of being the father of a nation. And so 
the first thing I want to say is that God already saw Abraham as who he already who for who he was going to be in in linear time in the future. And this is honestly what prophecy is, right? It's declaring what is finished from God's perspective. And over and over and over again, this is what, you know, scripture teaches us. I mean, whether it was Gideon sitting under the tree, you know, the poorest in his tribe, feeling weak and defeated and depressed, and an angel coming to him and declaring, Gideon, you are a man, a mighty man of valor, is what the angel said to him. And I will tell you, there was no natural evidence that that's who Gideon was in that particular moment. But then, of course, Gideon went on and he won the battle and he fulfilled out of an identity that God saw before Gideon was in agreement with it. Okay, Jesus told Simon that he was Peter, that he was a rock, and that upon that rock, he was going to build his church. I mean, here, Simon was still Simon when Jesus called him Peter. And this is the way that God talks. It's the way that he talks about us. It's the way he talks about the future. He calls non-existent things as though they already exist. And beloved, this changes the way that we approach life. It changes the way that we approach going through trials and tribulations and just resisting, you know, things that we know are not uh, a part of our inheritance in Christ, whether that's sickness, whether that's lack, because we can now enter into a perspective that says, hey, from God's vantage point, we're already healed. We're already wealthy. We're already fulfilling our destiny. We're already um, a person living out of an identity that maybe we have yet to discover or come into agreement with. See, God is a potential uh, focused God. You know, he he believes the best. He always believes the best. I mean, that's the description of love in 1 Corinthians 13. You know what? He doesn't keep a record of wrongs and he is optimistic. And he's optimistic because he doesn't see us and see our lives and see our futures the way that we do. He absolutely knows that when he called us, he finished it. That when he... Uh, when he created us, he had a vision, he had a plan for our lives, and that from his perspective, it was already done. And, you know, quantum science, quantum physics is catching up with this concept that time is relative. You know, that was a, a theory of relativity is what Einstein called it, in the sense that time is experienced differently depending on how fast you're traveling in the universe. And I'm not going to do a physics lesson, lesson here, but the point is, is that science is actually catching up with this concept that time is not fixed. Time is not a settled thing. It's a dimension that we experience differently depending on our vantage point. And what I want to present today is that there's a vantage point of heaven, of the invisible realm, that is very different. And, and, and in fact, it's, it's eternal. And, and from eternity's perspective, from the eternal realm, all there is is now. All there is is, is that it exists now. Everything is now. <laughs> Everything exists in a present moment. And I know that's tough for us to grasp and tough for us to wrap our head around because we've never lived in a, a you know, physical reality where all potential and all possibility exist in the present moment. 
But that is absolutely crucial for us to understand if we are going to live by faith, if we're going to operate with the mind of Christ and begin to see things the way that they really are. And the way that they really are is that they are finished. You know, I'll give a practical example here. You know, I really tapped into this revelation years ago when my husband and I were just dating. And at the time, you know, I had uh, I had been married. I had been divorced. I was in counseling. I was in therapy. I mean, I and then surrendered my life to God. And then, you know, I was just at that place where I did not want anything else in my life except the will of God. I had fully surrendered myself to the plan and to the purposes that God had for my life. And I had met Brian prior to that surrender. Um, Gosh, we had met in a bar, you know. I mean, I was not walking with God at the time that Brian and I started dating. And as I was progressing in my spiritual growth and recognizing that I was called into ministry and beginning to hear God's voice, you know, I remember coming back from Starbucks, which, by the way, let me take a drink of my Starbucks while I'm telling my story. But I was walking back from Starbucks and I was living downtown Chicago at the time. And I remember I walked into my condo and all of a sudden I just heard the Holy Spirit say, get a pen. Now, up until this point, I mean, I had been hearing God maybe sporadically. I would hear phrases here and there, but I had never like taken dictation from God before. I was pressing into it. I knew that it was possible. I'd been baptized with the Holy Spirit. I was speaking in tongues. I was praying in tongues at this time. For the first time, I was in my 30s. And I mean, it was a little startling to me, but I was like, okay. So I went and got my journal. I went and got my pen and I began to write. And as I began to write, I mean, it was the most I had ever heard God at one time before in my entire life. And it was like four pages about my future. It was four pages about uh, the call of God on my life and that I was being called into ministry as an apostle, prophet, and teacher. As a matter of fact, he started the sentence with, you're not a pastor, but you're an apostle, prophet, and teacher, which is funny because I went on to pastor for eight years. But uh, anyway, the bottom line is, is that he also started talking to me about Brian. And at the time, you know, Brian uh, worked in the trades and, you know, he was a licensed plumber. I mean, and if you know anything about construction sites, I mean, they're a little rough. And Brian was always a great person. I mean, he was always a man of integrity, but it wasn't like he had surrendered his life to God, that he really understood spiritual things. And it's not like on any stretch of the means that that I would say that, you know, he was on board or on the same page as I was with this whole Jesus thing. And so I had really been asking the Lord, okay, is this relationship of you? If not, I need to know. And bottom line is in this four page, you know, download that I got from God, he started talking about Brian. And he said to me, he says, um, Brian is your husband. He's the father of your children. He's in ministry with you. He is a man. He also called Brian a mighty man of valor. And then he said this, he said, patience is required. He says, but you will reap if you faint not. He says, you must see Brian the way that I see him. And then he began to just share with me the way that he saw Brian. And I can tell you, there was no natural evidence at that moment that the person that brought, that, that God was describing Brian to be was that there was any evidence of that in the natural. And granted, at the time, I didn't understand the things that I'm teaching today. I didn't know that God had an eternal perspective. I didn't recognize that Jesus was slain before the foundation of the world and that he called things that be not as though they were. I was young. I was young in my 
my, um, I, I would say young in my understanding of the true gospel and of the power of God and of the gifts of the spirit and really just hearing God and living supernaturally. I was very young in those things. Never didn't, I didn't really understand prophecy at the time, but this is how God taught me what prophecy is. This is how God taught me what it means to be prophetic. Because he said, you have to see Brian the way that he actually is. You can't relate to him based out of uh, how he's acting right now, but you need to call things that be not as though they are. You need to talk about Brian the way that I see him. You need to stand for the person that I've called him to be, even when there's no natural evidence of that. You guys, and sure enough, I mean, over, um, you know, we dated for three and a half years before we were married, mainly because I had so much trauma to heal from. And I, I mean, dear Lord, I probably would have killed the man if we would have married any sooner. God knows the first 10 years of our marriage. I mean, that was still a possibility, <laughs> but praise God, he's faithful because he began manifesting the word over Brian as I just stood. And regardless of what came out of Brian's mouth, regardless of how you know, how far-fetched it appeared for him to be in ministry with me or or be following God and serving him with his whole heart, which was just a, a couple of things that he said with, about him. You know, as, as far-fetched as that appeared, I had a word from God. I had a perspective. I had a future that I saw for my husband, well, my two, my, you know, not yet husband, that God was saying, no, you need to stand on this, that I have a destiny for him and I'm asking you to partner with me. And it really was no different than when he told Abraham to, to change his name or he told Abraham to go out and look at the stars. He was asking me to see something from a higher perspective and to see someone in a place of potential and a place of destiny that there was no natural evidence that actually would ever happen or come to pass. And I could tell you stories about, you know, just things that happened that, that were totally contrary to what God was saying. But praise God that I didn't, didn't, I wasn't led by those things. And I stood and I stood and I have watched God move in my life, watched God move in Brian's life, watched God move in my children's life as I have gotten his perspective about their futures and then stood for those futures as though they already exist. Now, this revelation changes everything. It changes the way, not only that we see ourselves, but it, it forces us to begin to look at other people, not based upon the identity that they're living out of right now. It, it forces us to begin to ask God, who is this person? What is the, the vision for this organization? What's the vision for our country? What's the vision for my life? And recognize that it is already done. And as we partner with God, by believing that and seeing that with him, well, guess what? That's the very channel of faith that causes it to come to pass. You know, if you read about the life of Abraham, you know he didn't come into full agreement with who he was right away. In fact, he came up with a plan to, to have a son with his, his, his maid certain, him and Sarah, you know, came up with this plan and they end up having Ishmael because they're trying to make the plan of God happen on their own rather than just coming into uh, agreement in faith that God was going to do this thing. And that's a lot of times what we do, right? We, even if we do have a, a glimpse of our future or a glimpse of our destiny, you know, we go through this process of coming into rest and coming to that place of just agreeing and seeing things the way that God does is finished. And lots of times that involves a bunch of false starts and a bunch of, you know, um, 
fleshly activity and a bunch of things that we're trying, striving to get our, you know, the plan of God to, to happen in our lives without realizing that rest and faith and seeing it finished is the very thing that manifests it in our lives. And so through that process with Brian, I'll tell you, that is how I actually learned to live with a prophetic perspective. And living with a prophetic perspective is something that all believers are called to do because we are called to live by faith. And faith is simply seeing a future that doesn't yet exist in this realm. It's seeing a future as though it's already finished. You know, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things unseen. So faith itself is a way of seeing. It's a way of recognizing the unseen. Honestly, I like to say it's coming up and transcending time, sitting, sitting down in heavenly places with the Father and seeing the future as though it's an already accomplished fact. And that's called receiving it. When we receive something and we say, hey, this is true and this is real, regardless of the natural realm, is, is it an alignment with that yet? Well, that means that we're, we're in faith. And faith is the very thing that shifts the seen realm. It's the very thing that causes the seen realm to align with eternal reality. And this is what it means to live by faith. We are constantly materializing something in the natural realm. And when we are materializing something in the natural realm, it's based upon what we see and it's based upon what we say. So if we just see the current circumstance and we just see the challenge that we're going through and we're constantly talking the problem and we, we, we constantly are visualizing our defeat, well, guess what we're prophetically agreeing with? Guess what we are creating with our, with our speech and with our vision? We're creating what we see and what we say. And so it is imperative, guys, that we start to recognize that heaven, although invisible, is absolutely a right now reality. And everything that heaven contains already belongs to us as a joint heir with Jesus. We're co-heirs in the kingdom. And if I go back to Ephesians chapter 1 and I read verse 3, which I was going to read a moment ago, Here's the way it reads. It says every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realm has already been lavished upon us as a love gift from our wonderful heavenly father, the father of our Lord Jesus, all because he sees us wrapped in Christ. This is why we celebrate him with all of our hearts. And so what this scripture is saying is that everything that heaven contains has already been lavished upon us. The question is, are we enjoying it? Do we see ourselves as citizens of heaven? Do we see ourselves as wealthy and healthy and co-heirs in a kingdom? Are we prospering in our soul and enjoying uh, the destiny of long life and satisfying life and fulfilled life and prosperous life with our destiny fulfilled? Are we seeing the future that God has planned for us as an already established reality and fact? And if not, beloved, it's going to be really frustrating because we're just going to live in this fallen perspective a victim, that we are a victim of circumstances. We're a victim of the things that we go through and we're living just stuck and trapped in linear time rather than recognizing that the prophetic words that God has over our lives and the things that he has planned and purposed for us were, have already been finished. They were done before the foundation of the world and all that's left to do is believe and agree with it. Okay, I want to go to another scripture and I want to go to it in the Amplified. I want to go in the Amplified Classic and it's Ephesians 2.10. 
and the amplified classic. I teach on this, I feel like, you know, every, every so often. And um, hold on a second, I got to type while I'm talking. So, and I want to get it specifically in the amplified classic version. So give me a sec. Okay, here's what it says. Okay, this is another just scripture that talks about this eternal perspective and how everything was finished really before the foundation of the world. Okay, in Ephesians 2.10, the Amplified Classic Version, it says this, For we are God's own handiwork, his workmanship, recreated in Christ Jesus, born anew, that we may do those good works which God predestined, planned beforehand for us, taking paths which he prepared ahead of time, that we should walk in them, living the good life which he prearranged and made ready for us to live. Man, isn't this so powerful? I mean, this scripture is saying that we were recreated in Christ for good works, for supernatural works. Remember, when God says work, he means miracles. You know, on the sixth, after six days, on the seventh day, God rested from his work, meaning he rested from speaking the whole entire universe into existence. He calls that work, right? Jesus said, if you don't believe me for the words that I speak, believe me because of the works that I do. In other words, believe me because of the miracles that I do. And miracles are simply creating uh, and manifesting and materializing something that is not currently existing in the material realm. It's taking something from the eternal, something from heaven, and simply materializing it here. And so God created us in Christ before the foundation of the world. We were recreated in Christ for good works, for supernatural exploits. And it says not only were we predestined for these things, they were planned beforehand, planned before the foundation of the world. And that God actually laid out paths for us to take I like to think of them as, as, as timelines. He, he laid out a timeline for us to live on that is a path that leads us to the good life that he prearranged and made ready for us to live. See, our destinies have been prearranged. They are ready for us to live them. Our purpose has been prearranged. It's ready for us to live it now. The question is, we can't agree, or how do we agree, with something that we don't know? How do we agree with a reality that we have yet to see, that we've yet to perceive? How do we get the plan? How do we understand who the, the future that God has for us? Well, beloved, we're going to have to hear. We're going to have to be able to, to, to receive from God a future that is already finished from his perspective. We're going to have to sit down with our pens and our journals the way that I did that day and get the download. This is your. This is what your children look like. This is what your future looks like. This is the goal that I have for you that's already finished. And I can promise you that whatever God is sharing with you, that that is that for whatever that future might be, that there's probably not going to be a whole lot of natural evidence at the moment that that's a possibility. He's asking you to believe something that may even feel impossible to you. It may be, it may be unbelievable to you at this point to believe that you were created to change the world, that he has a plan and a purpose for you to do something, frankly, that you may not even know how to do right now. I mean, I have sat in Emerge graduations and told people things that they're like, they don't even have a, a grasp that this is what they're capable of doing. You know, I've, I've told someone you're an artist when they did not have an image at all of being an artist. I remember when God was restoring singing to me and he was saying, you know, no, you, you're a singer. I'm thinking, oh gosh, have you heard me sing? <laughs> you know, but God is a supernatural God. 
And he is able to in, in, in give us endowments if necessarily, downloads and, and impartations of gifts supernaturally if that's required. I mean, what is the limitation of God to do what he wants to do through our lives? I mean, the real limitation is us being able to dream, us being able to receive it, us being able to say, yes, that you know what? You can make an impotent man past 100 years old to have a child, right? These are impossible things without God, but with God, all things are possible. And so, beloved, we have to be able to hear God. We have to understand that time is, is malleable. Things that are seen are temporal. They're subject to change. They are subject to a different uh, 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 they are subject to 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 be to um what am i trying to say um to uh, there's a metamorphosis that's that, that we can that we can do that we can we can be an agent of for anything that exists in the natural realm we are transformers of the seen realm as we come into agreement with with the way god perceives the way god sees and we begin to speak the way that god speaks this is why if you're dealing with sickness you say you know i'm healed you know, he says, it's why, you know, he says, let the weak say I'm strong. Well, I am strong. It's why when I was dealing with all kinds of mental challenges, God was saying I had a sound mind, even though there was no natural evidence of those things in the natural. So this is a mind blowing concept that I'm chatting about. It's, I'm talking about getting out of being trapped inside of time. I'm talking about coming up to a higher level and allowing God to show us the future that from his perspective is already finished. And when we do that, we'll start to relate to the goals that he has for us, to the goals that we have for our lives, to the way, to the things that he's asking us to co-create with him as something that is already finished. You know, this has been so powerful in my lives, life, whether it has been, you know, having babies when I had been experiencing serial, uh, serial miscarriages, and having to see myself nine months pregnant, visualize myself as a mother, call myself a joyful mother of children in line with scripture and line with the things that God was speaking to me. I mean, even now we're all working on something, God, you know, we're all working on it. And, and so now, even now I'm, I'm manifesting a future that, that doesn't exist right now. There's challenges and things that are going on in my own life that I'm, I have to transcend and I have to get the vision of God for those things and realize it's already done. And as I do that, and I begin to speak those things and agree with God in my internal world and in my imagination, well, guess what happens? The scene realm responds. The scene realm is speech activated. The scene realm is thought activated. We are creative just by the very nature of being made in God's image. And so beloved, my, um, my, uh, I don't know, prayer for you today is that you will listen to this podcast and you will begin to grasp the things that I'm talking here. And as always, if you want to learn more about this and you're ready to stop, you know, letting the scene realm boss you around and dictate to you what is possible and you're ready to get the download from God and hear from God in the same way that I did and get four pages of your future, well, you guys schedule a breakthrough call. Talk to us about joining us in Emerge because I can tell you there is a whole nother way of living as a son of God that is an overcoming life, that is a transformer life where you are partnering with God to manifest here on earth the things that have already been written about you in heaven, the things that God has already predestined for you to accomplish and get on the path that he laid out for you before time and begin living the good life that he prearranged and made ready for you to live. 
So God bless you guys. I am praying for you and we are here to serve you. Have a wonderful Thanksgiving. And by all means, you guys get up in heavenly places, sit down in Christ and begin to visualize and ask the father, what is it that I need to see about my future? What is it that you're wanting to show me? Because the Holy Spirit is the spirit of prophecy. He is the spirit of revelation and he is right there with you in you ready to show you the truth about you and about your destiny. So God bless you. Have a wonderful, wonderful holiday season. I love you guys and I'm so, so grateful to be called to love and serve you. Thanks for listening to Shalise's podcast. This recording is, in part, made possible by our listeners. To partner with us, visit shalise.com where you can donate and help us spread the good news of our unshakable union with Christ around the globe. You can also find a link there to download Shalise's book, The Path, for free. And if you're ready to discover the call of God on your life and the purpose he created you for, then visit us at shalise.com and watch Shalise's free training where you'll hear five keys to hearing God about your life purpose and transitioning into it. Thanks again for listening. Until next time, don't forget, the world needs the Christ in you.